you are now entering a new paradigm. So here is my issue. I wanted to find the answers to life's biggest questions. Things like, how do I become happy and live with purpose? How do I make more money doing what I love? And what does it mean to be truly successful in all areas of life? My name is Josh Forty, at Josh Forty on Instagram, and I ask life's biggest questions and share the answers with you. My goal is to help you find purpose, happiness, and open your mind to new realms of possibility by helping you think differently about everything you do, know, and understand. On this podcast, we think different, we dream bigger, and we live in a world without limits. This is a new paradigm. Welcome to the Think Different Theory. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Think Different Theory. My name is Josh Forty, and today we got another really, really good episode for you. And once again, normally I'd do my little intro, but I don't know. This guy I don't think needs an intro. I mean, I think, I think he'll talk about it. Many of you guys know who he is. Uh, it's the man, the myth. I, the legend, but I think really the myth, Mr. <laughs> Kevin David, dude. Welcome to Think Different Thank Theory. Thanks for coming on. I don't think we're. I don't think it's legend quite yet because I, I haven't even hit my three-year anniversary since I started. So maybe we'll have another reunion on uh, Think Different Theory like ten years from now. In ten years from now. All right, yeah. I, I'm down with that. Okay, so let's focus on the myth, then, dude. Uh, you're a you're a mystical person. I, I feel like. Um, but how you been, man? Like, let's let's dive into this conversation. How you been? I've been good, man. Like, seriously, like I, I just got a new place in Vegas. It's been fun kind of acclimating to that. Um, a lot of the things that I had planned, like I was going to Tulum, Mexico in a week, but it got canceled because of, uh, you know, the obvious uh, thing that the whole world is dealing with right now. But but I'm good. That's good, man. Well, let's talk about coronavirus here real quick, man. It's I mean, I, I joked about it a lot at the beginning. I was like, guys, you, y'all freaking out for nothing. And then and then uh, one thing leads to the next thing. And I wake up and I'm like, oh, crap. Trump's like state of emergency. Like what the heck? NBA shut down. Uh, have you been affected by it at all? Or? I mean, it, it hasn't affected my business much other, other than like some, some supply restrictions for some of my e-commerce businesses. Um, you know, I, I obviously watched the NBA casually and I got absolutely destroyed in the stock market over the last like three weeks besides today. Um, so other than that, it hasn't affected me much, but um, I definitely see the ripples. Yeah, for sure. You play the stock market a lot? Yeah, I do. Unfortunately, um, for the, my bank account in the, in the last like month or so. Uh, but today was a big turnaround. Um, I think that there's my I mean, I don't I'm not telling anyone this, but my personal opinion is that there's going to be a, a bounce, maybe even a slight bounce on Monday. And then I think it's going to drag down another like 10 to 13 percent. And then from there, once it hits a level that I have in my brain, I'm just going all in. Like I've, I've had, you know, a, a significant amount of money, like millions and multiple millions of dollars just waiting for this opportunity. And so I've kind of like limped in, uh, in the strategy that I do, which is dollar cost averaging on low days. Um, and so once it gets to that level, which it's very, it's very close to for the first time in 11 years, um, I'm going to go all in. Nice. Why, why, uh, stocks in the market rather than like a real estate or some other investment? Like why that? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I do invest in real estate, uh, but like m my personal, my mindset, and I think everyone has to think about this uh, for themselves, right? My mindset is very centralized. Like I don't like decentralized businesses where there's like this place in Omaha or like Boise, Idaho or wherever that I'm not physically at. And if something goes wrong, like I can't like deal with it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I have like a lot of trust in the stock market and, and the US, you know, federal government and things like that. I feel like it's pretty safe. And I like liquid centralized things where I can log in from a phone in Puerto Rico and all of my money and everything is just there rather than like spread out with like property managers and all of that. And so 
my methodology is I invest into myself and very liquid asset classes that I understand and believe in and can't imagine my life without, which are certain uh, stocks and companies. Um, and then I'm normally in real estate. I'm an LP. Uh, I'm never going to be a general partner in real estate. That's just not my expertise. Yeah. Um, so I focus everything on myself, on my own, uh, my own businesses, software, digital uh, products, uh, digital, you know, uh, personal brand type stuff. Because it's just very centralized and it's yeah. clean, and you can log in and it's there. You know. Yeah, for sure, for sure. What's uh, what's it like to be Kevin David, dude? Like, I mean, <laughs> it, I feel like you, you've got. I mean, you, I'm sure you've seen highs of highs and lows of lows, but you've got people that love you. You've got people that hate you. You're this figure that like, I don't know if anybody can figure out what's it like. I mean, honestly, it's, it's, there's good parts and bad parts about being like super in the public eye, right? Like when the more kind of publicity that you have and the more in people's faces you are, the more people that are, you're going to bring out of the woodwork that love you and hate you. Right. And like, not only do I have like a reasonably uh, successful personal brand, like on YouTube and, and in other places, but I also run a lot of paid traffic, right? Like for my software companies, for my digital courses, for my digital products, for e-commerce. And so, you know, when you're spending $30,000 a day on ads, you're getting millions of impressions a day, right? So like people can't escape me <laughs> really right, uh, right. for better or worse. And so, you know, you get a lot of people that, that uh, want to hate you, that you get a lot of people who, you know, may or may not be, um, uh, kind of upset about because there's something about human nature. Like if you've ever like followed, not that I'm a celebrity, but if you've ever followed like a real celebrity, like right, you know, right, you see people just viciously attacking. <laughs> like like it's like the most it's un the most unbelievable thing. But I mean, if yeah. you real if you read like Dale Carnegie, for example, there's something about human nature where you want to intrinsically drag people you know who are more successful down to your level so you personally feel better. And so I've tried to keep a perspective about why people that I've never met before that I don't know at all have this such a passionate hatred towards me um, in perspective because you know for every person who hates me there's you know five people ten people a hundred people who've been helped by something that I've you know taught or, or a course of mine or something that they've learned yeah for sure huh that's interesting I, lo I love Dale Carnegie um, how to win friends and influence people uh, yeah. it's, a, it's, a, it's a great book um, that's a topic for another time too. Um, so how did you get started in all this dude? Like 30,000 bucks a day in ads. Like that's some, that's a, someone's salary for a year, you know, a low level earner in America. Um, and you've done it in three years. Yeah. So my, th my, th my three year anniversary is May 17th of this year. So I think it's like mid March right now. It's like the 15th or something. I don't even know what date it is. How, how do you classify? Like, is that the day you quit your job or like what? Oh no! So the, the first the first day that I I ever uh, sold a digital product. So I guess if if you start like with Amazon, the first date I ever sold a product on Amazon was September first, two thousand sixteen. So it would be a four year anniversary in about uh, six months from now. So it's either three and a half, like three and a half or three ish years, depending on how you classify it. But that's how yeah. I classify it because my um, like digital marketing was May seventeenth. May seventeenth. Um, yeah. So, so, I mean, it, it all started for me, like it wasn't like some epic thing at all. Like I didn't have like a cool, like movie story. Like I just really didn't like my accounting job, but like, it was just like, not, it wasn't fulfilling. I was like, what am I doing here? And everyone was telling me like, this is the thing. Like, you, you know, you're, you should be glad. Like this is a, a bad economy. Like you should be grateful for this. Right? Cause 
like it was a it was a prestigious job right it was pwc right. if you've ever heard of that big four like hundreds of people apply they had like like literally like if they weren't lying about that hundreds of people actually did apply and they actually only did have a couple of slots because i saw so many of my friends that i went through four years of accounting uh college with not get jobs yeah. right but the problem is like it was so grindy, like 80 hours a week, just awful stuff. And, you know, I was seeing these people at Facebook because uh, my main client, I was a consultant uh, at, for a, like a data privacy accounting consultant at Facebook. Hmm. I was seeing all these people that were like 25, 24 years old that were like happy, probably making like two or three times more than me. And I was like, what am I doing? Yeah. <laughs> I, started, I started Google searching. I was like, I literally Google searched how to make money online. Like, the first person I ever remember finding was a guy named Spencer Hawes. I don't know if you ever heard of him, but like mm-hmm. he, he has a, a product called Longtail Pro. And what he taught was how to make niche websites and monetize them. And so like I didn't like immediately start with Amazon. A lot of people don't know that. Um, I started with uh, a niche website called Top Essential Oils. And I was trying to monetize it with Google AdSense. I made a, 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 an iOS app. I tried a lot of... I made a travel blog called Eat, Sleep, Trek, Repeat. And so I, I failed three times, pretty epically failures um, until I found Amazon. Hmm. Interesting. And, and for those people that don't know who you are, just like real quick, give me the 30 second to one minute. I know we kind of dove in here a little bit and we're going to dive in further, but like the 30 second to one minute long highlight reel of Kevin David. Yeah. So, I mean, I went to school, you know, I got pretty good grades. I went to college, uh, honors college at uh, Oregon State. I got pretty good grades there. And, um, you know, school was always relatively boring to me, but like, I I just kind of figured out how to get good enough grades to do the things that I, I wanted to do, I guess. And then I got a job at a quote unquote prestigious accounting company, realized that it wasn't for me and that people were just doing such cooler stuff. Um, and then I just kind of started Google searching, like make money online. And I tried a bunch of random stuff and, you know, I didn't really find success with it. And then I did find success with e-commerce. Um, and once I found success with e-commerce, um, everything kind of started to change. I was making more money from my computer than I was making from, uh, my job. And, and from there I was like, okay, this makes way more sense. I like it better. I have more freedom. This is it. And you've gone on to do how many million in the last three years? Um, I actually don't know exactly, but I, if I had to estimate, it'd be like just under probably 20, just under 20. Yeah. yeah. And, and paid traffic has been a, a large source of your, like the revenue there. How much, like, did you go right to paid traffic when you first got started or was there any organic at the beginning? So, I mean, I didn't know, like knowing what I know now, cause like now, you know, it just kind of happens. Like when you start to have success and more success, like the echelons of digital marketers just like kind of are in the same places, in the same circles, become friends, like if they're reasonable people. And so I know kind of all of the top, top, top digital marketers now, many of them are my best friends. And so I kind of know what the normal thing to do is now. But at, the, at that time, I didn't even really know what an entrepreneur was like, really, I didn't know what a digital course was. I didn't know about paid media. I didn't know about any of that stuff. And so I kind of just was like figuring it out by myself um, and doing a lot of stuff wrong. Uh, but like I, the first thing I did was YouTube. And then I was like, well, I have to get like, I have to be able to talk to these people, right? Because you can't really communicate like on YouTube via comments. I mean, you kind of can, but not in like a really good way. Yeah. So I was like, well, where am I finding the most value? And at that time, it was a Facebook group. And so actually, that's not true. The Facebook group was first because that's how I started on YouTube. I, the first thing I ever joined was this huge Facebook group. The biggest at the, in the world at the time it was like 29,000 people. And the dude who was the admin was from a city uh, in McMinnville in Oregon, which was near where I grew up in Eugene. And I was like, dude, how the hell did you get all these people into this Facebook group? <laughs> and he was like, oh, man, like YouTube. And I was like, oh, man, like if he can do this, like I can too. 
And so I made three YouTube videos and then I jetted off to Brazil because uh, I was going to Carnival. Um, and one of the YouTube videos, two of them just were did terribly. One of them started to really take off. Um, and if you go back into the history books, I actually doing product research on that, that video live found the fidget spinner about a month before it like took over the world. Oh, no way. Yeah. So it was kind of a funny thing. And like a lot of my YouTube subscribers and stuff like noticed that and they were like, yo, Kevin, you found the fidget spinner. Like even like to this day, I still get comments about it. And that video I made, that was like one of the first videos I made almost three years ago. That's crazy. So do you, you're primarily though e-commerce now or where are you diversified out? Like what are your businesses? Cause you've got many now. It starts on YouTube, YouTube transitioned into e-commerce, e-commerce transitioned into online courses. Is that kind of the spectrum or how'd that go? So, so it was, um, I tried to do niche sites. It failed. Travel blog failed. I tried to make an iOS app called quiz pixel. That was like, you remember trivia crack? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So trivia crack was like taking over at that time. And I was like, damn, I should make like a, a quiz app. And so I tried to do it for video games and it just didn't really work well. Cause I just wasn't good at that. Um, and then it was e-commerce. And so Amazon FBA was the first thing that I actually really found success with. And then I was joining all the groups, making a mastermind. I was in all the biggest Facebook groups at the time. There's only like two or three. Um, and then I made my own Facebook group. And then, I, and then from there, I was like, well, how am I going to fill this group of people? So I did YouTube. And then from YouTube, everyone was like, Kevin, do you have a course? Do you have a course? Like, do you have a course? And I was like, what's a course? And so I was Googling, like, what is a course? Um, <laughs> that's when I found ClickFunnels and made a course in ClickFunnels. Um, and then people were like, like I started to make, you know, all this money from affiliate commissions, like for software that I was like teaching with in my videos. And I was like, well, why would I only make 50% when I could make a hundred percent? Yeah. And, so, and I started making software and, you know, now all of my courses that I teach are, are fulfilled on the back end with my SaaS products. Um, mm -hmm. and then we have, you know, digital marketing campaigns for those SaaS products. Um, we have digital marketing campaigns for the courses themselves. Um, and yeah, it's just kind of all evolved. Like I didn't have like a master plan. It's just kind of each, each next step that I took seemed logical at the time. Yeah. What's, what's your softwares? So I have three main softwares. We, we, uh, we started with two originally and then we ended up selling them off. Um, and now we have three softwares. We have one for Amazon sellers that just does everything you need. Product research, keyword research, launches, PPC management, everything. It's called Zonbase. Um, and Zonbase, we grew from like zero to almost six figures a month um, MRR in like literally a month since we launched it, Dang. Um, which was crazy just because I have a big Amazon audience. That's the only reason we were able to grow it like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and then we have one for uh, digital marketers called uh, marketermagic.com, which is crazy. Like all of the things that I was paying for in my own business, like social proof pop-ups, like email verification, um, you know, uh, a, a, a place to track all of the time of my virtual assistants, um, you know, uh, mobile uh, or web browser opt-ins, all these things that I was paying for individually with all these little SaaS products, they all had like bad parts about them. So I just rebuilt them better and put them all in one place for actually an affordable cost. Right. And so that one like exploded when we, when we launched that. Um, but all of my software is not, you know, amazingly profitable at the beginning are our least profitable, but still break even, um, or are above break even, but not like explosive is called shop inspect. Um, shop inspect is for e-commerce, like for Shopify and, and those type of people. Um, and basically what shop inspect does is it teaches people how to find viral e-commerce products. Um, mm. and so that one didn't work as well as we'd hoped. But I think partially the reason that it didn't work as well is because Shopify is just very saturated. Yeah. 
Right. And so, you know, the other two worked really, really well right out the gate because I think people just wanted it, right? The market wanted it. There wasn't really much guesswork. Yeah, that makes sense. Why, why are you keeping the third one open? Like, do you think you're going to catch on or what? So, I mean, the thing with software is it's kind of like you do all this upfront work and then it's built and then it doesn't really cost anything. Yeah. You know what I mean, like the expensive part is getting it developed, getting like yeah. the infrastructure in place, getting the APIs cracking, like doing all of that, like upfront work. And then the only like, you know, ongoing variable cost is AWS. Right. And so there's ways to get these huge credits um, like a hundred thousand dollar credits uh, on AWS for like seven seven thousand dollars through like startup innovate uh, innovation uh, incubators and stuff like that. And so our AWS costs, we can get like you know whatever that is, like seven cents on the dollar. Uh, and those are hard costs. Like the, it took me a long time to figure that out. Uh, but yeah, there's there's ways to subsidize all these costs, and so it's basically free. And then I you know occasionally I'll make. Shopify videos, we get Shopify influencers who we reach out to in my friend circle. And so it's just kind of an easy way to both help people find viral products in like a really easy way, but also be able to kind of like scale it easily as well. Yeah, yeah, for sure. One of the things that I think, I mean, well, one of the things we're big on on the podcast is I really focus on mindset. Um, I've had to do a lot of mindset development and mindset work, like kind of in my journey of everything. I mean, losing the, my brother was a big, a big turning point, but there's been several other things where I've just like, you know, and I have a mindset coach where we meet every week and she just comes in and just like tries to destroy false beliefs. Um, I read your post, when's your birthday? August 5th or something like that? It was last year? Yeah. That's what it was? Yeah. yeah August. Right. And it was, uh, you wrote down like your, your three top like takeaways. Um, uh, how old are you? 27, 28? 30. 30, 30. Okay. So, and you wrote down your big takeaways. And uh, one of the things that you said was, I think it was the third point was think things all the way through. What do you mean by that specifically? Could you like expand on that? Because like, I think one of the things that a lot of the listeners hear, they hear about mindset, right? But there's so many different parts and elements and everybody's got like a hack or a framework or like, just do this and you're going to have like this. And there's not really like that. I think it's more when it comes to mindset, like, yeah, there are core elements, but there's a lot of like, like storytelling and concepts like tend to do really, really well um, because it's, it's something that we can process and understand. So like, what, what are things that you have found that have helped you think things through? And what do you mean by that specifically with this? Yeah. So, I mean, first of all, I agree, right? Everyone has like a three-step simple mindset framework and it's just not really like, like that. Right. But, but it, you kind of have to put things in story format and parables and metaphors that people can like relate to and associate with. And like the reason that quotes and stuff are so popular is because, you know, in a very short and small amount of real estate, you can convey a powerful message in like a a meaningful way. Right. And so that's why these stereotypes become stereotypes and quotes and, and frameworks and stuff become popularized because people need that structure, right? Mind approaching mindset with no structure is very overwhelming. And and part of what mindset is useful for as a human being is preventing yourself from becoming overwhelmed, right? Because overwhelmed, being overwhelmed is probably the number one poison um, to progress and success. Thinking things all the way through. What I meant by that is, a lot of people are so busy like hustling and like doing like the Gary V mentality um, that they don't even know what they're hustling towards at the end of the day. Right. Like, and I know, like, I know you're laughing, but like, it's so, yeah, true. no, it's, it's really true. It's crazy. Like, but, and, and you know, I don't know if you've ever heard the saying, like if I had five hours to cut down a tree, I'd take the first four to sharpen the ax. Right. Yep. Like that, yep. that's a parable. Right. And not to like, not to go back into the framework, but it, it works. Right. That's why people use these metaphors and these associations. And it's so true. Like if you want something, you have to know what you want, right? Like if you're just like relentlessly grinding and hustling towards something that at the end of the day, once you get it, you don't even want, 
right? Then like, what the fuck are you doing? Right. Life? Like you have to actually think things all the way through. Like for me, like that meant at the, vo- at the very most microscopic level, it literally meant like, where do you want to live? Like, I, I like the sun. The sun makes me happy. You'll never catch me living in Alaska, no matter how beautiful or how big of a house it is. And right. Alaska is not beautiful to someone, but it's just not, it's not beautiful to me. Like, yeah. I could go appreciate it for a week, but I wouldn't want to live there. I want the sun. I want uh, nightlife. I want, you know, things to do like sporting events and concerts. Like, I like being in a city. I like lively. I like the beach. I like the ocean. Like, there's very specific things that I wanted. And to being able to actually like move there and afford that, there's a certain amount of money I needed. And so, you know, how I like to do things is I think about what I want, right? Like five years from now, where do I want to be? And like, even that is a little bit too intangible for a lot of people. And so how I like to teach my students um, to kind of know what you want is who do you find yourself being most jealous of, right? And that's a kind of a weird thing, but like for me, like for me, like Evan Spiegel was a big one for me. And like, you may or may not even know who that is. Yeah, I do. Yeah. It's like, but not only because you're in our niche, right? But like everyone, it's not like he's like some huge celebrity. Right. right. But like, to me, he's like this young, handsome like dude who like loves partying um and he's a billionaire and he's running a tech company and you know like doing everything that i wanted and so i was like okay well how can i reverse engineer getting to what he wants like what did he do he created software like an app in this particular case he's the founder of snapchat for people who don't know right he ended up marrying a victoria's secret model you know i like most men love beautiful women right Right. like it's just there's certain things that you have to understand that you like And, you know, you have to actually break it down in really tangible bite-sized chunks and then kind of reverse engineer how to get those things. And so by thinking it all the way through, I mean, you have to know what you want in the most specific possible terms. And then you have to actually create a path that can get you to that point. Yeah. I like that a lot. It's, it's, um, some people call it visualization or manifestation or whatever it is. I think that it just allows you to be able to put the pieces in place. You know what I mean? It's like, if you don't know what you're building, how are you going to build it? Yeah, no, for sure. Like you have to, you have to know what you want to be able to get what you want. And if you don't know what you want, you can't create actionable steps to actually get toward that. And so me, like I, I knew what I was jealous of. I knew the things that I wanted. I was jealous of people who had exotic cars. I was jealous of people who had houses on the beach. I was jealous of people who could, you know, have the free time to do what they want, who could travel to Europe, you know, in the morning if they wanted to, and it didn't affect them at all. Like there's very specific things that I found myself um, wanting and just like an easy little hack to kind of figure that out for yourself. And maybe it's not the best way, but the easiest way is just to think about what do you find yourself being jealous of? What do you wish you had? Right. And how can you create a goal that gets you those things that you wish you had? Yeah. So like, what's next for you then? Because like, I mean, come on, dude, someone can look at you and be like, dude, you're 30 years old. You're a multimillionaire. You could basically do anything you want to a certain extent. Right. So like, what's next for you? What are you after? Yeah. So, I mean, that's a really good, it's a really good question. Right. Cause like, and people always ask me like in my Instagram lives or, or in the comments of my YouTuber or whatever, like, Yo, Kevin, like, are you, do you want to become a billionaire? And like, the answer is no, like, I I don't want to become a billionaire. Like the the only difference between like being like a liquid multimillionaire, right? Like not like somebody who's like, has like all this debt and all this stuff, right? right, right. multimillionaire and a billionaire. The only difference really is a, a yacht and a jet. 
Yeah. Right. Like I don't like private jets. I've, I've only been on one and I didn't even really want to go, but I got forced by the freaking Morrison brothers. Uh, <laughs> I honestly, like there was no internet, like it wasn't comfortable. There wasn't a bathroom. Like I love the Morrisons. I love everybody, but like, I don't like private jets. That's I'm not bougie like that. Like I don't, I get seasick. Like there's just certain things that I don't need in my life. Like if I want to go take a yacht, I'll rent one. If I want to take a private jet, I'll yeah. rent. One. I don't need to yeah. own stuff. And the, the differential between being a multimillionaire and a billionaire from like a stress and like work and like life dedication perspective is immense. It's yeah. unbelievable. Like you can be a happy, balanced multimillionaire, yeah. but like it, you can't really be a happy, balanced billionaire. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong, but like, yeah. Like you look at people like Elon Musk and we, and we love, and we, you know, idolize him. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> he's not balanced. No, like he's just not. He's working a hundred hour weeks, seven days a week for his whole life. And like some people like that. Right. But like, I don't like that. Right. Yeah. But like what comes next for you now? Or is it just a maintain thing? Yeah. So I mean, what comes next for me now? And I like that you brought it back to the question. Cause I, I, I didn't really answer it, but like, I kind of did, but like the true answer for me is uh, in the next, by the time I'm 33, I'll, I'll have a hundred million dollar company. Um, it'll be in software. Um, and then all of the passive income that I'm generating from all of my other businesses, I'm just going to be reinvesting with the right team as a limited partner um, from a real estate perspective. Right. So, you know, as we get into this bear market, if it, if it happens, if it doesn't, right, there's, there's methods with real estate to, to invest where you're not exposed to a recession, right? Investing in B grade properties, 60 cents on the dollar, increasing occupancy, A comes to B during a recession, right? So you can store money in these ways that, you know, have 20 to 60% uh, annual returns, right? Uh, or annual returns or on a, on a 24 month period, depending on, you know, what you're doing in your risk tolerance, uh, where it's very protected against the recession, right? And so real estate, passive uh, income, or excuse me, passive investing, uh, dollar cost averaging into index funds, and then really keeping the bulk of my money for mental clarity and mental fortitude, um, you know, to myself to invest into my own businesses, uh, and then really creating an office, creating a nine figure business in, in the software niche. That's what's next for me. That's what's next. Huh? Interesting. Um, what are the, where do you learn this stuff? Where do you start to now come in? And I know you said you were a reader, but we were talking beforehand, not so much a listener, you know, like a podcast listener or whatnot, but like where, how do you decide what to learn and where to learn it from? Yeah, that's a really interesting question, to be honest. Um, I mean, for me, I think like if you read my previous birthday post, <laughs> like my birthday is the one time that I like really sit down and get introspective. I think that if you like the three post one, you'd really like the 10 things I learned one because that one was probably the most, the most appreciated piece of writing I've ever done. Like I, I posted it in ClickFunnels also, and it got like over a thousand comments. Like nice. it was probably the most engaged post in the ClickFunnels group that I've ever seen at least. Um, and essentially, you know, what it, what, one of the points said was you want to really identify one person right? Like it's so easy with all of these master salesmen and, and people to have shiny object syndrome and jump from one thing to the next, like as the newest, best opportunity. But the truth is like, there's no necessarily best opportunity. Amazon FBA is amazing. If you know how to do it right with the right teacher, you know, Shopify is the same affiliate marketing, YouTube podcasting, right? It doesn't really matter. All of them have a lot of potential, 
Yeah. Right. And, and, but people still get shiny object syndrome because they think one, because of some master sale or ad or whatever is materially better than the other, which isn't necessarily true. Right. You know, in my opinion, e-commerce, SMMA and creating a personal brand are the three best things you could focus on as a beginner. Um, but <clears throat> realistically, at the end of the day, I find one guiding light and I block out everything else. Right. And the, my guiding light for me was the first person that I ever came across, which really, in, in a sense, was Russell Brunson. Um, and yeah. I think, you know, that's almost cliche now because it happened to like so many people. Yeah, kinda. Yeah, yeah. But like he he did what I want to do. Like he had a personal brand. He, he started selling courses. Um, he backed all of those courses by his SaaS companies, right? Of course, ClickFunnels. Um, and then once ClickFunnels became enough of a driving force, then instead of the focal point being his information products backed by ClickFunnels, now his focal point is ClickFunnels facilitated by information products. Yeah. So it's literally the exact same trajectory that I've taken, nice. right? I just kind of got a later start. Um, than Russell, because I didn't really start until with entrepreneurship until I was like 26, 27. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, I mean, he just turned 40. So I mean, kind of ahead of the game for him. It's a billion dollar company now. But um, huh, interesting. One of the things I think a lot of people have problems with is just like, they don't know. I, I shouldn't say they don't know, dude. I feel like they just, they get overwhelmed with who to follow. They really just need to choose, right? Like, I mean, it's just, and but there's so much information out there. It's just hard. You know? Yeah, and there's two there's two important points. That's I'm glad that you brought that up, right? The first point is don't listen to what anyone is saying, right? Like, because people fall. This is a, one of the biggest mistakes I see people make, right? People will find someone that they just like the most, right? And like they 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 respond to and feel is the most genuine or that they can relate to the most that isn't necessarily going to give them the results they want, right? Just because someone is likable doesn't mean they're going to get you the results you want. Right. So there's two things. Look at the results of those people, right, which can be fake to a certain extent, I guess. But like it can't really if you're like good at research and you go and look at their you know, results like you can't fake a YouTube subscribership. You can't fake. Big right, Facebook. Right. You can't fake certain things. Right. So you have right, to be smart right. about it. But at the end of the day, don't listen to what anyone's saying. Look at what they're doing. Hmm. Right. Like Russell Brunson or, or like Grant Cardone is a good example. Right. The dude is like he's you know teaching you about real estate and how to invest in real estate. What's he doing? Right. Or maybe he's not the best example because he's doing a lot of real estate, but like other real estate course people, they're not actually doing real estate. They're teaching you how to do real estate and they're selling you a course, right? So like you should be focusing on if you want the results they have by selling the course, right? And that doesn't mean you can just go do it without, you know, getting any of the results yourself. But my point is look at what people are actually doing with their time. And if you want the same success they have, then you have to emulate what they're doing. Yeah. And I think Grant Cardone actually is a good example for the pe person that is in real estate and thinking about, oh, I could sell a course or I want to get rich or whatever. Like you could say Grant Cardone sells courses. Well, yes, he does sell courses, but what is Grant, how does Grant Cardone really make his money? How, you know, he really makes his money, his indestructible wealth, as he calls it, generational wealth through real estate, right, right, through Cardone Capital and through real estate. And well, guess what? Guess whose money he's not spending? His own, right? Like he's spending everybody else's, you know? And so it's, it's interesting that you bring that up. And I think that's a really, really good point is you've got you to look at the frameworks and what people are actually doing in their business, not what they're selling to you, you know? Yeah, definitely. And like Grant, Grant's a really good example of thinking it all the way through too, right? Like he, you know, he's like, he couldn't have done what he's done with Cardone Capital without a personal brand. You can't skip straight to Cardone Capital. That just doesn't yeah. happen, 
right? And so he did a he did real estate first, which was like you know his his kind of core thing, and then he taught you a bunch about it, created like a really massive personal brand, um, you know, through all the things he's done with social media and building teams and all all of that stuff, and then he's kind of created. Cardone Capital by leveraging his personal brand in the most profitable possible way. Yeah. Like, and if you listen to any of his stuff, you can see that he's thought everything through, right? Like he, he doesn't, it's not like he has some abstract, you know, like kind of go with the flow type of situation. He's going to sell Cardone Capital to Blackstone or to BlackRock for billions of dollars. Like that's his one, you know, laser focused goal. Yeah. Yeah. And, and he said that multiple times. I mean, you can, you can see there's definitely a plan there and love him or hate him. He's very, very consistent. That's for darn sure. Um, oh yeah. Like I, and I, I love him. Like I, you know, he's, he's very, he's mastered the polarizing kind of uh, personality. One of my, my self-admitted um, weakest parts of my personal brand is I just, as a human being, I don't like causing trouble. I don't like causing drama. Like whenever yeah. people like talk shit to me or, or call me out or whatever, I never respond. Like you'll never see me respond. You'll never see me talk negatively about anyone in any situation because I just, as a person naturally try to calm situations. I, I stay out of altercations. I'm not confrontational at all. That's just who I am. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, but part of be- creating an ultra popular personal brand is you have to be polarizing, right? You have to, you have to compel your core demographic to you and like in a polarizing way. And by doing that, you, you uh, repel people who are against what you're saying equally as vehemently. And so like, you know, he has a very polarizing brand where he basically says like, you know, work hard, 10 exit, like motherfucker type right, stuff. Like, right. People hate that. Right. But, but his core demographic loves it. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, don't buy houses. Houses make you broke. I mean, there's so many things of his that, you know, people are like, what are you talking about? But it works really, really well when you know how to leverage it like he does. Um, have you, like, do you stay out of like all controversial stuff? Like, do you get political at all? Or do you get like into like social issues at all? Or are you just like, dude, I'm just going to do my business over here and chill? I mean, I'll, I'll talk about it to a certain extent, but like, I, I'm definitely more like that. I'm just going to do the, my business and chill. Like I'll, I'll never, like I would never like, I see, I see your, uh, posts about Mr. Trump. Mr. Trump. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, I have my own opinions about him. I think he's a master marketer, which I think is undeniable that anyone could ever deny. Um, I have my own opinions that, you know, I'll keep, I'll keep to myself, but I see, I see your posts about him and I see <laughs> all of the comments and you guys going back and forth like that. I, I respect that. And I have admiration for that because I, I would never do that. Like I, I just, I get like, I just don't like controversy. It makes me feel uneasy. And so I, I kind of yeah. say, and what's interesting is I'm actually a lot like you in the sense of, I don't like controversy unless, unless it's something I believe in like super, super strongly. Right. And like the one thing with Trump and you know, we won't go down the political realm of one way or the other, but like the one thing with Trump is as a general rule, he's a capitalist. Right. And I like capitalism and I like America. Right. And I, absolutely hate socialism and I absolutely hate higher taxes and I absolutely hate anything that takes away personal, the personal freedom and the ability to, you know, have personal responsibility. And so like for me and each person is different. I don't think everybody's called to go out there and be controversial or state their opinions, but like for where me and where I feel called is like, I believe that I need to talk about the things that are important to me. Right. And I'm like, y'all think that Bernie Sanders is the answer. You know what I mean? Like you're, you gotta be insane. Right. So, um, where the controversy comes in, I think it's really hard for me to be controversial on stuff that I don't believe in. But then yeah. once, once I believe in it, it's, it's rock solid. Um, do you, uh, 
do you talk about controversial things in the sense of like, can, can we go down the rabbit hole of like drugs and stuff and God and stuff like that at all? Yeah, definitely. Like right. the, I, I try to stay away from, from politics um, mostly, but like I'll, I'll talk about anything. Like you, you don't have to like stay away from anything. Right. I, there's certain situations where I, I think that like my answer is kind of boring to people where it's like, yeah. you know, like with religion, my answer is probably pretty boring for people. Like I think people should believe whatever they believe in. I think religion has a lot of benefits to people who believe in it because it gave them, you know, confidence that they may not have, have been able to find from any other means. Like, do yeah. I believe that like, there's a, like a God that looks like a human sitting in the clouds? Like, no, I probably don't believe that. But like, I, I like to believe that there's some type of like energy or, or, you know, something else out there um, that that's helping people. And so my, my answers sometimes are boring in, in those contexts, but I'm happy to talk about it. I'm curious. So I'm curious about uh, psychedelics. Um, and, and like, do you do psychedelics at all? I do actually. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I love psychedelics and I want to, I, I always have to preface this because there is a certain family element to, to the podcast. A lot of people like that. If you're offended by this, go ahead, turn it off. If you got kids that you don't want to hear it, I get it. Just turn it off for a little bit. Um, but like first time I ever had did psychedelics, dude, what the world, right? Like my mind was just alone. And I was like, why is this illegal? Like everybody needs to have this, right? How, how has psychedelics played into, or has it played into your business and played into your, more of your worldview of the world and like reality and like your mind? That's, that's interesting that you asked that. So I've actually never talked about this in public and, and I've been on a lot of podcasts and no one's ever asked me this, which is, is which is interesting. Um, so, uh, uh, but yeah, I mean, my honest answer is psychedelics has actually played a massive role in my, in my business and my success. Um, but I do it in kind of a unique way. Like I, I don't recommend that anyone ever does drugs or psychedelics or, or anything that they don't feel comfortable with. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I think like, I think people kind of have to reach a point, um, in their own reality and their own kind of state of being where they want to explore, um, you know, other parts of their mind state and other, you know, frames of reality that are, that are possible. Um, and so for me, I, I reached that point. Um, and you know, a lot of that kind of came down to Steve jobs, to be honest, like, you know, Steve jobs was really popularized, um, microdosing LSD. Yeah. Um, for, for creativity, it's very prevalent in the Bay area. Right. And so when I was living in the Bay area, working, um, as a consultant at Facebook, right. A, a lot of the, you know, super sharp, young, talented engineers and, and folks, uh, in Silicon Valley, uh, were doing that. Um, and so, you know, the first time I tried it, um, it was really, it was really mind shattering to me, to be honest. Like it, it gave me back kind of like a childlike wonder that I hadn't experienced in a long time and made yeah. me see, um, made me see very otherwise mundane situations or beautiful things or, or thoughts or, you know, situations that I wouldn't have otherwise admired without it. And most importantly, it, it altered my mind state about where I belonged in the world. Like before that, I thought that I didn't deserve everything. I thought that I wasn't as good as these software founders. I thought that no matter how hard I tried, it just wasn't meant for me. Like I, I literally felt like I didn't deserve it. I felt like I wasn't as good as these other people. Right. And the biggest thing for LSD is I, what it made me realize is everyone's the same. 
Like Elon Musk is just a human with skin and blood and bones and he has thoughts and he has worries and he has stresses and he has victories and, you know, he has failures. Um, and it kind of changed my whole mentality where I now feel confident in any situation with anyone. Yeah, I think it's super interesting. It, it definitely brought, so the first time I ever, I've actually never, I don't think I've ever shared this either. Like the first time I ever did it, um, I remember very clearly that like I could go anywhere. Right. So like I'm, I'm out of, you know, I'm out of my body. Right. I'm kind of like looking down at, you know, everything more or less. Right. You know how it is. Um, but like I could like see things, I could figure them out and I could like see how they interconnect. Right. And like things made sense. And like whenever I would like look about something and think about something, obviously it's kind of more on the come down, you know, a little bit. Um, but like I could like see things and they, and it all made sense. And it allowed me to almost like remove my emotion from it and just see things for how they were. Like, like yeah. hey, here they are. Like, this connects here, and this does this, and this does this. And I got done with it, and I felt, have you ever seen the movie Limitless with Bradley Cooper? Yeah. That's how I felt, dude. I got, I'm, going, I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is incredible. Um, <laughs> but uh, I came down from that. And I think at that point, one of the things that I started to question was why, why they were – why they're viewed the way that they are like psychedelics in general are viewed the way they are. Um, and you know, I understand like criminalization and yada, yada. And once again, I'm not telling anybody that they should go trip if they don't want to, or go start using them. I mean, like be careful and do your thing, but it was such an eye opening experience for me. And it gave me this sense of like, I think like you said, like, I don't know if purpose is the right word, but like just of perspective. Like appreciation. Yeah. 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 It really, really is. And it's yeah. interesting to what you, like, do you, do you mind if I ask, like, do you, like, are you like a multi type person? Do you have like one favorite one or? So, I mean, I, I did mushrooms, um, for my birthday in Amsterdam this past most recent year, um, for the first time actually. So I've oh, taken, really? yeah, I've taken LSD hundreds of times. Um, <laughs> I've only ever taken mushrooms once. Wow. Um, and so mushrooms are much more like kind of like giggly and like, it's like feels like more of a drug. Like when I take LSD, it's not like I feel like I'm on a drug really. It just feels like I'm in like a higher state of like my mind's in like a different um, perspective. Yeah. When I, take, when I took mushrooms, I felt like I was on a drug. Like it was like when I used to smoke weed like, you know, 10 plus years ago, um, it, that's like it felt like a really intense version of that to me. Yeah. Um, so I've never taken ayahuasca. I've never taken DMT. Like, you know, I've, I've heard about a lot of uh, entrepreneurial retreats. It's definitely something that I'll try in the next like year, couple of years for sure. Um, but, you know, to me, my favorite and only drug that I do, like I drink probably like once a, a month, maybe. Yeah, and I don't drink it all. Yeah. I do is, is just microdose LSD. Microdose LSD. Yeah. Well, if you go on an ayahuasca trip, hit me up. We'll have to, have to go do it. I was talking to, you know, Ryan Stuman? Yeah. I was talking to him. We had him on the show and uh, he said that his ayahuasca, what do you say? The mountains of Utah, I think he's where he went. And then they did an ayahuasca thing there. And he's like, dude, he's like the, this, um, this lady hand, you know, gives it to him or whatever. And is like, you're going to need, you're going to need to take a crap basically. Right. And he's like, dude, there's no way I'm about to, you know, take a dump in front of this. And he's like 10 minutes into it. It is coming out both ends. And he's like, it cleans you out and blah, blah. And he goes, I saw God. I don't know what it was. I don't know if it's the God that you think of, but like face to face with something up there. And he's like, he told me, he looked me right in the eye and he, I'm like, I'm just trying to help people and yada, yada, yada. And God looked at him and said, how are you trying to help people if you're always just angry at him? And I was like, man, like that's so powerful. You know? And like, so like sometimes you just need that, like this different perspective or different experience. I just don't think that you Maybe you could get it elsewhere, but it certainly certainly helps that. So 
super interesting. Yeah. I, I love LSD, dude. I, I really, really do. Me too. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's good stuff. Uh, awesome, man. Well, um, kind of as we're starting to wrap up here a little bit, what are like what are some of the things you're into outside of business? I mean, for for clarification, I know you said you weren't a bougie person. I'm like. <laughs> Says the dude that has a freaking mansion in San Diego and drives a Lambo. But you still have your Lambo or not? Uh, it's in my garage in San Diego. Oh, it's in my I, garage. I don't use it much. I, I generally what I drive actually is my scooter. I have a, a moped. Oh you really? Know, I, yeah, I know what you mean. Like it's like very, it's almost very hypocritical to have, like have that type of car and, and house and not and say you're not bougie. But like outside of that, I really am not. Like if you like, you're gonna have the Morrison brothers on. Ask them if I'm bougie, and you'll love their response. Like they they always give me shit because they stay at like five star penthouses and I stay in like hostels. Like that's just like what I am yeah. doing. Like and so. But I like that, dude. Um, my girlfriend and I went on a trip. Well, it was supposed to be a four-month trip around the world. It ended up being two because she got a freaking parasite in the Philippines, dude. We had to fly her home on medical. It was insane, dude. Um, anyway, but that's that's what we did, too. Is I mean, like, every now and then, we're, like, we'd stay in, like, nicer places or whatnot. But, like, we stayed in hostels just to, like, try different things and, like, experience what people are kind of going through. And, like, I don't know. Like, I feel like in this entrepreneur game – you have people like Ty Lopez and I'm not bashing Ty. I think he's brilliant. I, you know, I love the dude, but like, uh, like in order to be successful or in order to maintain this image, like you have to stay in certain things and like have certain things or drive certain ways. I know that like you, I don't know if sell the lifestyle is a, is an accurate word, uh, but, but what you do, but for the sake of the conversation, like you kind of sort of sell the lifestyle in certain ads and like things and different videos that you do. How do you balance that? Yeah. So, I mean, like when I first started, I was figuring things out. Like I, I didn't know everything like, and, and, you know, I saw the success that, that other people had had doing that. And like, you know, I didn't realize the longevity and like the brand, the damage, like in my opinion, damage in some, in some people's opinions, not like I can run a Lamborghini ad and a mansion ad and I can get like half the cost per lead. Right. But like, those aren't necessarily like the type of people that I want in my funnels and in my audience and buying from me. And so, yeah. you know, since I was so and am still so tuned in to paid traffic, like I would argue that no, like, I don't know what you want to call it, like influencer or personal brand person is as involved in the actual media buying as I am. Like mm -hmm. I, every day we have an hour meeting with, you know, the six people that are on my media buying team full time. Um, and I'm in the, like, I know every number, like I, I know mm -hmm. everything. Cause I, it's just what I enjoy. Like I, I like it. It's like a game. And so you know, we test everything. And so like we tested Lambo ads, we tested all of this stuff. But what, what I found was even though we were getting a better cost per lead and more people into the funnel for cheaper, the hate was like the, the, you know, intangible hate was going up immeasurably. And so it wasn't worth it to me to be seen, you know, in, in that, in that light for a cheaper cost per lead. And so yeah. you know, like people like Ty, for example, who, you know, is an, has built an incredible, like, you know, everyone knows him, right? Like he, nobody can deny that, that he's built a brand, but he's also one of the most polarizing people that people have the strongest opinions about. And it wasn't, it wasn't worth it to me to create, uh, to reach more people, to get more people into my funnel, um, but to be known as that, right? And so yeah. in my mind, there's kind of two sides to the coin. There's the Gary V and there's the Ty. Right. And Gary V, it took him a lot longer to reach like that many people and, and all of that stuff. But now he has that brand equity in a, in a way that's that's impossible to get if you get it through like the Lambo lifestyle. Yeah. 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 I like that a lot. Um, the time, the time of it. I, I, I'm curious now that you bring up the, uh, the ad spend side of things, I'm curious about a scaling 
and how you built like build your team with that. I remember going through your ads one time. I went to your page and like, you know, the little tab, you can go see people's ads. And I'm like, this dude is running so many freaking ads, dude. I have never seen, I mean, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. I'm just scrolling through and scrolling through and like image headline. And it's like one tweak, one tweak, one tweak. I'm like, this is insane. I, okay. So paid ads is something that I am literally in the process of learning right now. I've grown yep. and managed five, six million followers on social for clients. We've done six figure launches, multi six figure launches, quarter million bucks in a weekend, you know, like launches all organic. I've never, you know, never paid ads like high ticket stuff. I love it. Right. The 20, the thrill of getting a 25,000, 50, 60, $70,000 check. I'm just like, right. But now I'm to the point where like, I want to scale and I'm like, I got to remove myself from the process and nobody on my team that I've been able to find is good enough to sell as I am. Right. Like I can just sell people. But so I'm like, all right, I need to get paid ads in place and things like that. How do you, like, where did you even start with that? And, and how did you build a team so effectively to be able to spend 30,000 bucks a day is a lot of money in ads, dude. Like, how do you, how do you scale to that point? Like, where's, where's step one? Step one is, so, I mean, kind of how it works. And like, this is like, I probably shouldn't be saying this, but like the, the, the sharpest folks who care the most, who, um, have all the kind of cutting edge strategies generally are the top agencies, right? Like the top agencies in the U S but the duality of that is they generally have no loyalty, right? Like they'll just go to the next highest bidder and leave you in the dust. Right. And so I, I realized that pretty quickly. And what I did was in my, in my, in my opinion, intelligent, um, not to like toot my own horn or anything, but, uh, what I think I it's all right was, here, dude. I think, I think you have a credibility to toot your own horn. Here. <laughs> <laughs> um, but what I did was I went out and I was willing to pay those like super expensive consulting fees um, to the, to the top people. But what I did was one of the contingencies of hiring them for those exorbitant rates was I, I mandated that my team, my internationally based team to them of which the job was a career, right? I wasn't just one random client that they would leave for the next highest bidder there. It was a career to somebody in the Philippines. You know what I mean? So all of my core media buyers, three of four of them are in the, uh, are in India and two of them are in the Philippines. They're incredibly smart. Right. But they've been the reason that they're so smart is because they've been trained by all of the best people who've come from consulting.com, who've come from Dean and, and Tony's team. Right. Um, who've come from, you know, all the stuff that I've learned. And so we've kind of hired all of the best consultants, taken all of the best strategies and then rolled it all up into like this six person team based internationally for a tenth of the cost. Who just put in 10 hours, 10 hour days, six days a week, implementing that, um, you know, who we treat as employees who've been with me for years, right? Because with a company as complex as mine, there's so many moving variables and, yeah. and, and the tracking and all of the URLs and the CPL and like, you know, the cost per registration and cost per scheduled call and all of this stuff that no agency could possibly do it. Like it, you'd have to be with them for years. Right. And so my advice to you or to anyone else is be willing to spend for the best right people and find out who the best right people are from the people who've hired all the people like me. Um, you know, who's going to waste your time, who's not going to waste your time. Um, and then have a core team who depend on you and aren't going to like leave you to the highest bidder that you like mandate. They're able to like observe and learn from as these mm. people consult for you. Interesting. I like that a lot. That makes a lot of sense actually. Um, yeah. Okay, cool. All right. Well, we're wrapping up on time here. I got one, like one last question for you here before we go to rapid fire questions. Um, what do you see as like the next big, uh, opportunity in the online game? I mean, of course, 
I'm not saying the course game is over by any means, but it's significantly more saturated than it was two, three years ago when, you know, we got started in it. Um, e-commerce, the same thing. Like where's the next big opportunity that, that you're putting your focus or at least that you're seeing in general, even if you're not capitalizing on it. Yeah. So, I mean, well, like, so for, so for some of my friends who are a bit older than you, how old are you again? Uh, I just turned 26. Okay. So you're, you're like four years younger than me. So I have, you know, friends who are 18 who are making a bunch of money. I have friends who are 50 who are making a bunch of money. Like for the folks that are a little bit older than us, um, who've kind of went through the 2008, uh, situation. Yeah. Um, what's happening now is very similar to, to what's ha- what happened then. Right. And there's yeah. obviously differences like pandemic versus financial crisis or whatever. But one of the side effects of all of this, even more so exacerbated by Corona because it's mandating work from home yeah. is everyone's going to, you know, hourly workers, all of these people who, you know, had these jobs before that are no longer able to do them are going to be turning to the internet to learn how to make money from home. And so, you know, the course boon, I think is about to actually have a huge injection of new people um, for like the top quality people who are actually uh, kind of able to capture that attention and target those people correctly. Um, one of the other things that, I, that I've been seeing um, is done for you stuff, right? Like I've, I've been seeing something called Amazon automation, um, which has been unbelievable um, for us since we started, you know, offering it just a couple of days ago, you know, we've done a very large amount of sales in just a few days. Uh, and, and what it is, is us, you know, proven e-commerce entrepreneurs building a business on your behalf. Like you literally do nothing. Like we take 30% of the profit, you fund the working capital, we build you a business in your name. And so it's kind of like mixing together like the traditional high ticket, which is like a mastermind with an e-commerce business that, you know, is tangible and people can like be excited by the sales and all of this stuff. Um, and, and that's been working really well for us. And so I've seen kind of the done for you in yeah. a way that's mixing like core stuff with actually creating people businesses. Yeah. I like that. Uh, do you know Steve Larson at all? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Steve's a really good friend of mine. He has um, his core offers called offer lab and it's very similar to that. It's, essentially it is an agency, but it's done for you offer creation, but it's like you come in, I think it's 25,000 bucks, I think for the year. And he actually has it up cool. Cause he's removed from it. He has a team that goes in and they build your core offer. They write your ads or even the copy for your ads. They build your funnel, write the copy for your funnel. Like they do the all and they basically hand it back to you. And they basically hand you a notebook and you fill out a questionnaire and then they go through and quiz you over it, boom, boom, boom. And then they go build it. And you've got this turnkey. It's not really a business because you know, you know, you know that there's more to a business than just a funnel, but it's this fully operational cash machine that you can go and do. And he sells out spots like that, like crazy dude. I mean like million dollar days at his events like that, um, which is just it's insane. So, yep. um, Dude, I appreciate your time coming on here. Um, this was awesome. We'll have to do it again. And uh, maybe, maybe it'll be in a few months. Maybe it'll be in a few years. And we'll have to come back and see where you're at. But uh, got to do some rapid fire questions here. We wrap up. Sound good? Yep. Cool. All right. Uh, number one, what's a bucket list item thing that you have not do- yet done? Um, I've never been to Dubai. Never been. Dude, we were supposed to. Dude. All right. We were supposed to be in Dubai. <laughs> Uh, first of the year this year, skydiving like uh, for New Year's, and my girlfriend oh. got sick with a parasite, dude. Like, li- like couldn't couldn't stand up. We had to cancel flights. Like, bedridden, sick in the Philippines. We had to cancel it and come home. I was so sad. So, Dubai. Uh, you guys will do it though. Oh yeah, for sure. For she she wants to go, and like she's a huge traveler, which is super nice because then I don't have to plan anything. I'm just like, all right, here's here's a credit card. Go plan it all, and then she goes <laughs> and plans it. It's awesome. Um, what's uh okay? But, but what's your favorite airlines to fly? Uh, probably United United, uh, hobbies that you're into or like 
things that you like to like collect or like if someone were to like buy you a gift, like what are you into as far as like that, like that type of stuff? I don't really like getting gifts. I'm awkward, but like a weird thing that I, that I do like is I'm, I'm like weird about waterfalls. Like I've been to all the biggest, best waterfalls in the world, except for one. Nice. Like where are some of your favorite waterfalls? Oh my God. Iquazu in, uh, on the border of uh, Argentina and Brazil is like the biggest waterfall in the world. It's like, I think it's five times bigger than Niagara. Like it's just unbelievable like seeing it in real life and they built these like bridges like right to the base of it it's called like um it's called like diablo garganta or something like that like the devil's throat um and it's the biggest individual water like waterfall in the entire world and you just stand in front of it and feel like the roar and the mist and like there's always rainbows because there's so much water vapor like it's just a wild place that's crazy man wow that's awesome i'll have we'll have to look look at that what was it called uh, Iguazu, I G U A Z U. Huh. All right. Well, I'll, I'll have, look it up. I'll take a visit to that one for sure. Um, yeah. What? Um, if you ever had the chance to go to outer space, would you go to outer space? If you got if to come, come back. If I could come back, yeah. Yeah, as, as, long, yeah, as, long, as long as you can come back. Dude, I thought some yeah. people say no to that question though. They're like, no, I, mean, I don't want I, to. Like, I wouldn't go to Mars. Like, I just wouldn't. Like, I like I know I understand why some people would want to, but like, I wouldn't just go to Mars on a one way. Like, I like Earth. No, no, definitely not on a one way. But like, if yeah. you had to come back, like you go up there, spend a week up in space and then come back. And like, oh yeah, for sure. Like I've been asked, like if I would, if I could be like one of the pioneers to go to Mars and like, unfortunately I wouldn't, but like, yeah, I wouldn't either. Sure. Just for outer space, hell yeah. Yeah, up and down, yeah, quick. All right, man, uh, one last question for you. If you, fast forward to the end of your life, you're on your deathbed, all your fame and success and scooters uh, and Lamborghinis, uh, they're all gone. Um, but every single person that you touched and influenced either directly or indirectly, you get to leave them with one final message. Like, what's that message? Prioritize relationships. Really, all right, that's yeah, awesome. I mean, because like m- money is like really interesting up to a certain point. Um, and I suggest that everyone reaches that their own point and kind of figures out what that is. But like at the end of the day, I think a really good way to kind of figure out what's important to you is getting really sick. Like, and like, and you know, I, I never would never wish that on anyone, but like when you, when your health is affected, um, and when you like, you know, you're, you're feeling like you could potentially like die or you're in a situation that is potentially, you know, you could have been killed, you realize what's important, right? And like, you realize that your family and your friends and the people, you know, in your life are, are really what is ultimately important. Um, and it's really hard for a lot of, especially like workaholics, like, like us or like me, I don't know if you are, but I assume. Oh, you yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's really easy for us to just work ourselves to death yeah. and not like take the time to prioritize um, the important people and the relationships in our lives. Nice. All right, man. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, where can people find out more about you? I'm sure there's like 10,000 links, but what's the best place? <laughs> the best place is probably like YouTube or Instagram. You can just search Kevin David on YouTube or you can search Kevin David on Instagram. I'm super active in both of those places. If you want to chat, Instagram's probably better. If you want to learn, YouTube's probably better. All right. Awesome. Guys, this has been the man, the myth, the soon to be legend, apparently. Kevin, uh, 10 years from now, Mr. Kevin David. Kevin, thanks so much for coming on. Guys, as always, hustle, hustle. God bless. Do not be afraid to think different because those of us that think different are going to be the ones that change the world. I love you all. And I will see you on the next episode. Take it easy, fam. Peace. Thanks, Josh. Peace. 
Yo, what's up, guys? You've been listening to the Think Different Theory with myself, Josh Forty, which I like to call a new paradigm of thinking. And real quick, I got a question for you. Did you like this episode? If you did, I want to ask a huge favor. See, the biggest thing that helps this podcast grow and that will spread this message of positivity and making the world a better place is if you leave a review, a rating, and subscribe to the podcast. What that does is it basically tells the platforms that this is out on that you like my stuff and that I'm doing something right. So if you could take like three seconds out of your day and subscribe, leave a rating and a review, I would be forever grateful for you. Also, I want to hear from you. I want to know your feedback, your ideas and your questions for future episodes. So be sure to hit me up on Instagram in the DM at Josh 40 or via email contact at thinkdifferenttheory.com.